This morning's scripture reading comes from Acts chapter 7. We'll be looking at verses 55 through 60. Again, that's Acts 7, verses 55 through 60. Let us listen for God's word. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. Pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us. Amen. Here are some uh, sayings, some quotes from people that are attributed to be their last words. There was a composer who was on his uh, deathbed and had a priest come to sit with him and sing hymns and read scripture and offer last rites. And the last words of this composer were, what the devil do you mean to sing to me, priest? You're out of tune. There was a convicted uh, murderer who was put uh, in front of a firing squad for his execution, and before uh, he died, they asked if he had any last request, any last words, and he said, yes, bring me a bulletproof vest. One person on their deathbed called over a loved one and is reported to have his last words be, I left $50,000 in the, and then he died. And last one, I'll share, uh, someone on their deathbed said this, don't let it end like this. Tell them I said something important. Hmm. The story today is of Stephen, and we hear in the context of this story some of his last words. So Stephen was one of these early followers of the Jesus movement uh, that we hear about in the book of Acts right after Jesus has been raised and gone up to heaven. And Stephen is, in fact, elected to be one of the first deacons of the Jesus movement. And these deacons were tasked with doing exactly what our own deacons, what some of you are tasked with, to care for others, to notice need, to offer help to those in the community, and to be the eyes and ears and hands and feet of Jesus. And so Stephen in particular was um, in charge of helping to give food and meals and money and aid to uh, widows within the community and to love them well. And this act um, of providing compassion and love was so countercultural that a lot of folks uh, with power got really uh, threatened by what Stephen was doing. And Stephen's sharing about Jesus as he goes about this work of being a deacon, and the people with power 
accuse him of blasphemy. They call him in for a trial, and he is put to the test. And so in uh, Acts chapter 7, we see this kind of testimony of Stephen as he talks all about what he views his job to be and who he understands God to be and defends himself. And at the end of this uh, sort of testimony, he says, I see a vision. I see a vision of heaven opening up and of Jesus at the right hand of God. And this is enough for those that are putting him on trial, the ones that want to squash out this Jesus movement to say, aha, it is blasphemy. He's saying he sees heaven. What an egregious sin. And so the trial at this point kind of dissolves and there's no verdict, but the mob gets so angry that they run him out of town to stone him. He's done enough wrong in their mind that that is it and he must go. And so in the midst of this execution, we hear some kind of familiar last words. Stephen says, Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. These last words echo some of the last words of Jesus that we read about in the Gospels. They acknowledge a spirit that moves on and lives beyond earthly life, and they ask for forgiveness for those that are near. You know, many people try to uh, orchestrate their last words. I've heard stories of people that plan what they want their last words to be years before they die. They want them to be just right, just perfectly funny or meaningful or wise, but it often doesn't really work out in the moment. Like birth, death can be chaotic and traumatic and hard, and sometimes our bodies and our minds don't do exactly what we want them to do, but sometimes we get a glimpse of who somebody was and what they most cared about in that sacred transition between life and death. Stephen is usually credited with being the first martyr of the church, the first Christian martyr after Christ. And when we hear the word martyr, we usually define it as someone who dies for their faith, right? Someone who's willing to put their life on the line because of what they believe, whether it's a religious belief or some other deeply held conviction, that they are willing to put their life on the line and they die. But did you know the word martyr actually means, in Greek, witness? Martyr means witness. I think that is so fascinating because at its depth, a martyr's death speaks of what they are most willing to bear witness to. What they are most willing to bear witness to even if it means the end of their earthly life. So Stephen bears witness in these last moments to the life of Jesus. He bears witness to the practice of compassion. He bears witness to forgiveness and hope. 
Last uh, Sunday, Pastor Garrett spoke about forgiveness and about the need to apologize, and he spoke of it through the lens of uh, King Manasseh, who um, had to pray for forgiveness, as we read about in the Apocrypha, for all that he had done wrong. And in this prayer, he asks God to forgive him, and then he actually changes his ways afterward. And uh, Garrett spoke of a couple of his own stories of needing to apologize, one when he meant it and one when he didn't. And uh, I I want to uh, affirm the story he told about uh, me and about our concrete countertop renovation disaster day. Um, If you weren't here for it, the brief summary is that we did a huge home renovation project when we were first married, which is a great first test of marriage. And uh, he was working on a concrete countertop slab, and I was working on another project over in the other room. And uh, because of poor planning and lack of communication, the concrete started to set, and there was disaster, and he tried to get me to help, and it all went awry, and we ended up in a huge fight. And so he came back to apologize later, and he actually meant it, and we came up with a plan for how to not let concrete countertop day happen again. And we still call it concrete countertop day. Don't forget concrete countertop day. And he, true to his word, every time we do some kind of renovation project or move furniture or something like that, we will have a conversation before about our intention and our plan. And then during the moment, he is so gracious in communication, and he truly, that day, <laughs> changed the way he communicates under pressure with renovation. It was glorious. And so it was, it was an apology, sure, but it was also a move in a new direction. And this is exactly what King Manasseh does. He doesn't just ask for forgiveness and move on. He asks for forgiveness and redirects And every step and every day after that, he lived his life like he was forgiven. Not questioning whether or not it was true, but he lived it like he was forgiven so that he could go about and be the person God was calling him to be. I wonder what Manasseh's last words were. He bore witness to forgiveness the rest of his life. The end of uh, this story that Robin read for us names one other person who was bearing witness to the stoning of Stephen, Saul, the one who is uh, surrounded by the coats, the outer garments of those that are actually doing the stoning. And as we know, this Saul who's approving of this persecution is the one who becomes Paul, the preacher, the apostle, the writer of so many letters from our New Testament. Another case of someone who asked for forgiveness and then lived every day of his life like he'd actually received it. Stephen asked the Lord to forgive those who were around. And when he did did that, he was praying in part for Saul. And I can't help but think this road to Damascus conversion had something to do with this prayer and something working inside of Saul's heart where he saw a glimpse of what it means to bear witness to forgiveness. I wonder what we all surround ourselves by, what we allow ourselves to witness every day. Because the things that we witness, the things that we take in, shape us 
and change how we show up in the world. I'll give you one sort of silly example of this. Uh, many years ago, uh, when I was uh, living alone and had a decent amount of free time, I started to get into the show Breaking Bad. And I had a weekend where I just binged this show nonstop. And if you haven't seen it, it's a kind of intense show that follows this high school teacher who gets a hard diagnosis and wants to make uh, money for his family really quickly, and so he starts dealing drugs and getting into all kinds of shady business. And pretty soon he's running from police and running from other drug dealers, and it gets so intense. So it's not usually the kind of show that really appeals to me, but I started one or two episodes and then just got so into it I couldn't stop. So I watched hours and hours and hours of this show one weekend, and then at the very end of it, I finally emerged from my house, and I had to go grocery shopping or something, and I was driving down the road, and a neighbor waved at me, and then I saw a police car coming the other way, and I thought, they're coming to get me! And I freaked out. I felt like I was hiding drugs in my trunk, and I had to like screech my tires and go riding over the grass in the hills because I was so in the mind of this thing that I had been watching. I had to calm myself down and remind myself that was, that was fiction and I am a totally different human being. But these little things happen to us and we recognize that what we witness, what we take in, shapes who we are. It shapes how we show up in the world and how we interact with other people. And I wonder what would happen if we really allowed ourselves to take in the compassion and the grace and the forgiveness of God. What if that's what we saturated ourselves with and binged so much that we became those people in the world? That's exactly what happens to Stephen in this moment. He has witnessed the disciples and the compassion of what it means to be a deacon in this early church and what it looks like to offer forgiveness and to offer aid and to love one another. And even in the end, that's what he bears witness to. So what are the things that we dwell with enough, not just to watch or notice a little bit, but the things that we pay attention to deeply so that they change us and change how we show up in the world. There were two last quotes that stuck out to me when I uh, was looking at some of people's last words. The first made me sad. It's from Leonardo da Vinci. He's reported to uh, have said this at the end of his life. I have offended God and mankind because my work didn't reach the quality it should have. And then this from Harriet Tubman. Swing low, sweet chariot. All of our lives bear witness to something. What is it that we're surrounding ourselves with so that it seeps out of every pore, both now and at the end? I pray that it would be the love and compassion and forgiveness of God because we already have that promise. And if we live every day like we know it, we won't be able to help showing it now and at the end. Would you pray with me?
Holy God, thank you for the example of Stephen. Help us to pay attention to the stories of love and compassion and forgiveness that we see in Scripture and we see all around us from the saints we're surrounded by. Lord, bless us to be people who show your love everywhere we go. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.